And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! The dearth of adult goalkeepers, the semi-willing left-backs, the spherical midfield playmakers, the marathon-running right-wingers, the emergency big men up top, the secret social politics of warm-ups, the psychological impact of half-time team talks, and the viral phenomenon that is Gary Goals. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés and the Sunday League 11. Right now, you can enjoy The Athletic for just 3 99 per month. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod. That's theathletic.com forward slash clichés pod and sign up. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 63 of the Football Clichés pod. I'm Adam Hurry, currently without a club. And with me, first of all, Charlie Eccleshare of the Hurricanes, Camden Sunday League Giants. Alright? Yeah, good. How are you? Not bad, thank you. Alongside you, David Walker of Ribblesdale Rovers of the Southern Sunday Football League. First question there is, is that the entire south of the UK? <laughs> that, that seems quite a wide remit for a Sunday Football League. Yeah, we don't have any away games in Portsmouth. Thankfully, <laughs> it's just it's just South London, but it does sound quite grandiose, doesn't it? Yeah, lads, we're in Yeovil this weekend. Can I get a lift? Is that is that right? <laughs> Can I get a lift? Pick you up at Taunton, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll pick right. you up at three a.m. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that needs some serious words with the organisers of that league. Anyway, yeah, today is all about the classic, quintessential, typical Sunday League Eleven. This is going to be ripe for straying too far into cliches. We're going to have to be very careful. We've got a real job on our hands this week guys but first of all it's the adjudication penalty which I'm keeping very short this week because we have such important matters to get onto but I couldn't resist talking about this Dave because Pete in Brighton alerted me to something incredible this week Birmingham teenager Jaden Reed's loan spell at Walsall has been cut short after a lack of game time and this is what Walsall manager Brian Dutton had to say he says there's plenty of depth here but more importantly we need characters who will give 110% to Walsall Football Club if people are giving 109%, then they're no good to me. <laughs> I've never heard 109% before. I've never heard the, the cliche embraced to this extent. I can only feel sorry for the player in question. He's, I mean, he's, he has still given 109%. 
I mean, and it's still not good enough. And does that mean every other person in the squad is a, is a bona fide, confirmed 110 percenter? How is he measuring this? That's what I want to know as yeah. well. Oh, I mean, I suppose there's all sorts of fitness metrics. I don't know. But there's no metric for passion, is there, Charlie? It would be really interesting. It feels like there has been a kind of hyperinflation, um, sort of like Weimar Germany on kind of how much percent you need to give. It's crazy now how much it's gone up to. In a world where 109 percent isn't enough. Also, enjoy that the, the uh, obligatory. Walsall Football Club. Yeah. Um, I love that. When, that when teed you, it up really it. well. That this might be our first encounter with a postmodern football man, a man who's still willing to put in the football clubs, but also embracing the 110% formula. Almost too much. But um that was that was really nice. So thank you to Pete and Brighton. That was that was absolutely classic cliche territory. But let's do this. Let's do the Sunday League Eleven. Now Dave, as I said, this is this is a bit of a minefield. We could get into really sort of vague, clumsy stereotypes about people who play Sunday League football here, which is what I want to avoid. I want I, I want to kind of aggregate all our experiences of playing Sunday League football into this into this reliable, definitive mass of footballers, amateur footballers. So let's lay down some ground rules here. I feel there are things that we should avoid. I would like to avoid this this kind of anti-cliche of, of Sunday League football. This, this this thing that people say, well, if you see a player in brightly coloured boots, he's getting kicked. That's bullshit. That hasn't happened in 20 years, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I uh, religiously wear black boots and have been kicked more times than I can <laughs> remember. Coloured boots are also so prolific these days. You just go into, mm. pop into any sports direct and it's it's more difficult. You know, the only black boots cost mm. like 180 quid. So you have to buy like a pair of half red, half green boots for 40 quid. And, mm. you know, you get rubbish centre-halves wearing all sorts of boots these days. Yeah, it, yeah that is definitely a, a tired cliche of the Sunday League. For people that have never played Sunday League, I don't think, or not at least not played it in the last decade, I don't think. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I think, like, Charlie, it's an important part of our job here today is not only to bathe in cliche, but also to kind of kind of denounce some of these lazier tropes about Sunday League. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can imagine, can't you, someone who hasn't, who hasn't really played in a long time trying to show that they, you know... A politician almost been like, you know, I love grassroots football. The halftime oranges, you yes, know, all of that. So it's yes. like that doesn't happen anymore. People are drinking Lucasades and mm. you know having kind of gel bars and stuff yeah. like that. I've never had there a is- halftime orange. Never in my whole yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. It's the, that kind of like, um, yeah, idealised vision of a world that doesn't really exist anymore, if it ever did. Yeah, I, I get slightly annoyed at the kind of misguided over romanticization of Sunday League football to the point where it's completely doing it disservice. And Halftime Oranges, Dave, are a classic example. I, I haven't had a Halftime Orange since probably under 10s. And even then I hated the flesh of an orange. So I had to <laughs> dangle it above my head and it sort of let it drop into my mouth from a foot above the halftime um, banana much more common disgusting but also still only the preserve of people who take this sort of thing very seriously and you're not going to get the average player who thinks about bringing a banana to sunday league uh i would say so yeah we have to we have to kind of walk this tightrope between not doing the general playing public a disservice but also not taking it too lightly at the same time what are we going to call this team charlie i mean we've talked very a long long time ago on this podcast about the kind of classic names for, for a five-a-side football team at power league which which are very banter territory i feel like sunday league still still clings on to kind of noble tradition when it comes to i mean I mean, you're called the Hurricanes, obviously, which is I mean, obviously doesn't fit with that at all. But we have Ribblesdale Rovers for Dave, which is almost like a cartoon strip team's <laughs> name. So, do we need we need to stick to kind of 
traditional suffixes here, do you think? I mean, I, I think yes, but there is also, it's as you say, I think Power League or five-a-side teams is more your kind of Parmesan Belgrades and those sort of like, you know, more bantery names. But I think you still might get a sort of uh, Atletico Acton or something yes. like that. So it's not it's not like a crazy pun, but it is just sort of putting on a, a foreign suffix, a prefix. I think I think we've got it here. So we sh- sh- we'll pick a kind of reasonably exotic um, European prefix, and then we'll go with anywhere in Zone Three, London. <laughs> Do you want me to list you some of the some of the, the teams that are in my league, just to give you yeah. just to give you a bit of context, a bit of an idea? There is a bit of a there is a bit of a, of a variance, actually, from what Charlie was just saying. So you have got, as you said, Ribblesdale Rovers do slightly come across as they... Yeah, it is a bit Renford rejects, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> but there's also, there's like some really basic, like AFC South London first team. Q Antigua first team. Oh, I've played against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wimbledon Commoners FC. Nice. Wimbledon Town B. But then you've got the likes of Sporting Crabs and Atletico Buble. <laughs> what? We've never quite got to the bottom of, of Atletico Buble. I mean, I assume it is in some. There's some sort of homage to the uh, to the great crooner himself. But also, if it's meant to be, if it's meant to be a sort of play on Bilbao, it should of course be athletic, shouldn't it? Yeah. Rather than athletic, well, this, this, yeah. again, people just people just don't care. I mean, I played for Atletico Angels, which was almost like a willful corruption, just <laughs> designed to annoy people, the European purists. I, I quite like AFC. I feel like that's that's AFC yeah. has kind of made a little sort of resurgence. Recently. Yeah, we've got a few AFCs. There's a, often you'll get a stuff like a Wednesday. There's a Hackney Wednesday. We've got <laughs> that's um, ludicrous Hackney Wednesday. Yeah, so kind of yeah, as you said, yeah, playing on the prefix and suffixes that existed and just just slightly tweaking them okay so locomotive walthamstow it is then yes um, that's a great one okay i mean it, it feels natural before we get stuck into into our sunday league 11 which will be 442 of course dave mm-hmm. um we need to get stuck we need to talk about the the classic sunday league warm-up because i feel like we could do an entire episode on the sunday league warm-up the phenomenon the kind of low-key phenomenon that is the sunday league warm-up and it all begins none of this can start until and then this is assuming that everyone has turned up on time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that it, none of this can start until someone in the changing room, who is, who has got dressed fairly quickly, grabs a ball and says, "I'm going to head out there." Is it, is it slightly weird being the one who decides that's it? It's time to head out. Well, the thing is, for for, for my particular corner of Sunday League, we are one of the teams that are too cheap to pay to have access to the changing rooms. So <laughs> so so we just we just either turn up in kit or get changed oh. by the side of the pitch on the grass and therefore there isn't that same and I'm sure a lot of people who play the Sunday League would do the same thing as this there isn't that same sort of as you say that kind of moment of right I'm heading out boys right here we go it's kind of you yeah. sort of amble onto the pitch somebody who's turned up in kit already is just sort of doing keep up keep ups while I put my while I sit on a small Tesco bag to avoid getting muddy oh god <laughs> and do all not that. touching the pitch yeah yeah do all the that pitch stuff. is lava yes <laughs> oh god getting one foot on a muddy pitch before you've started is, is horrendous I mean yeah it's amazing that you've managed to avoid this entire um, diplomatic farrago that is whoever goes out first. Yeah, I've been that guy that you described, the the one who's like, you're waiting around, you're like, I'm going out there. Like, There's no there's no point standing around. And someone always says, oh, it's a bit early, isn't it? No, no, it's not. <laughs> this is what we're here for. Yeah, it's like, like you're a bit restless. I also, what, I, I don't know if anyone listening to this played at, uh, plays at Hackney Marshes, but we, team that I played with, we've been going for more than a decade and only really recently did we work out the sort of map 
uh, scheme. <laughs> like we we should just know. Like we're on pitch six. Okay, fine. Pitch six is that one. Somehow it's like the hardest thing to commit to memory. And even like by staring at the map key, we'll often get lost and be sort of wondering and be like, you know, are you Philippine FC? No, 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 they're over there, mate. Oh, okay, cool. You and never get the, it right first time. Yeah. So I think a lot of people don't want to be the first guy because that requires uh, sort of having a look at that map mm. and trying to work out where it is you're going. It's a good point. Imagine what it was like in like, in like the 60s, you know, that, that famous oh aer- aerial shot. Those pictures, yeah. 100 pitches. <laughs> Yeah, we're on pitch 98 today, lads. There's an incredible sort of Pathé News kind of very short documentary about Sunday League in 1953. And and the changing rooms are exactly the same as they were when I was playing in like 2007 at Hackney Marshes. It's absolutely incredible. But, But... spirit is exactly the same they've recently been redone to give them to give them uh, their due the north marshes having yet yeah, been this sort of time capsule so when you are actually out on this pitch dave that it feels like there's this kind of subconscious set of regulations about what everyone is allowed to do before the game um it's instant shooting practice i think you have to get the nets up first if you're going to do shooting practice. Uh, of course. I think we'd yes. be remiss of us not to talk about putting the nets up, which has, if mm. you're the home team, that is. It's glor- and it's glorious. If you're the oh. away team, what a luxury to turn up and not it's have to so, put the nets being up. Being the away team is just heaven when you get that mess and you don't. And also because not only do you have to not put up the nets, you don't have to worry about who's got the nets, lads. Who's got, and like, oh, I've got, I've got the corner flags, but I don't know who's got the nets. And it just removes all of that in one fell swoop. There isn't a single pleasant thing about do- the job of putting the nets up. There isn't, there isn't a single element of it makes you think I've done a really good job here assuming that you have a way of attaching the net to the goalpost which in the worst case scenario is taping it and Mm. it has to wrap around the front which is almost like you know FIFA defyingly bad way of doing it and then and then everyone will will of course understand this quandary Dave is when you have no way of anchoring it to the ground so you have to use everybody's bags hate bags well that is surely a referee would have an issue with that if, it, if a referee worth his salt would be inspecting a net and seeing it's pinned down with a bag he would have serious <laughs> I would expect a fine to be coming that way of the club yeah, that, the club secretary that is manna from heaven for, uh, <laughs> for a Sunday league ref the worst thing for me is like when you, you've got the pegs you know like the tent pegs no one ever has a mallet for the tent pegs do they so you just no. you, you're sort of trying to bang them in with your foot or if the ground's soft enough you can get it in first time but so bent pegs or in my mind's eye they're always so bent out of shape <laughs> right and it's just hands. never something you you re- you stock up on again and so you well, think these you are the can pegs stamp them into the ground you think you can stamp them into the ground with your with your with your boots no, no it no. still hurts how does it how does it get through the sole plate of a modern football boot i have no idea on the subject of goal, of goal nets dan Hare says um Goal, uh, one of his irritations about Sunday League is goalposts without stanchions at Hackney Marshes, which leads to nets just draping down from the crossbar. So the ball barely even crosses the line before it touches net. That is, that's like the Dell on steroids. Like my <laughs> least favourite sensation of Sunday League is having net simply just tumbling down like a curtain. For the, that, that ruins it. <laughs> I, I almost want to go home straight away. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather play with no net than a dangling net. I agree. Is that why you're currently without a club, Adam? That was one of your non-negotiables in Yeah, it's in, uh, it's, it's in, it's in the small print of every contract I, I put forward. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't know. It's, I feel maybe I've been spoiled in the sort of latter years of my Sunday League career, but, you know, the nets were already up at the last place I went to play. Oh, right. All right. I know, I know, I know. And the ball was like clean. It was weird. But anyway, onto our onto our warm up, Charlie. So we've got the nets up finally, thank God. And and it's and this kind of shooting practice, which is like the least planned, regimented state of affairs. And it's the worst shooting. Like no one can shoot properly in a warm up compared to their actual ability. What is wrong with people? 
Yeah, it is, it is weird that. And the, the only, the sort of cousin of that, which is equally shit and unhelpful, is just like piling into the box and putting crosses in. It's just as a kind of, <laughs> as in a vague simulation of what might happen in the game. At least shooter practice is funny. Now I think, uh, yeah, most teams will then do a rondo. Um, and, and it will, you know, the pattern will start like, it's sloppy boys, switch on when mm, like, you know, mm. you're playing short passes. First one's free, obviously, that, that, yeah. that key rule. <laughs> I know a lot of people do this and don't think we're not onto you, is if they don't want to do the goals they'll volunteer to do the corner flags because that gets them out of doing goals and it is a piss easy job and they will absolutely milk it if you do that we know what you're up to but it is quite smart because it gets you out of goals completely i mean this interesting i mean i mean i use rondos very reluctantly here dave because anyone who actually would use that in a sunday league um context is a joke but um I mean, if your team is organised enough to get a rondo going with all, you know, 14 players and two in the middle herring around and stuff, good for you. But I feel like sometimes it kind of sort of disintegrates into these kind of low-key, cliquey, quasi-rondos of of about four people who know each other kicking the ball between them. And then if you're, say, like the new guy, you don't know which one to join because you just don't know who's who's kind of, who likes you. So it's like, oh, can I just sort of... And then you have to hover you have to hover and then hope if someone passes you that's it you're finally involved there are i mean we could do a whole section on on being the new guy there's so yes. many so many diplomatic hurdles you have to cross but yeah like the rondo thing we actually do do a, a rondo not that we ever we never called it that but come on boys two, two, <laughs> two in the middle two in the middle and yeah. we usually do that pretty close to kickoff to kind of get you know just get people running about a bit and I, although i whenever i go in i always just think did i need that i'm knackered i'm absolutely mm. knackered now it's weird because like adam you said with like the, the shooting being terrible it's also the same that like doing a rondo you feel so tired you're like how on earth am I about to play a match of football? There's something so strange about the psychology of that warm-up. Like, how tired it seems to make you. Just like, I can't really run. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And like with that finishing exercise, it just, there's something about it that it, it's so hard to get right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You think you think that even even the, the lowest level sports person would be able to get their head around the fact that your heart needs to pump quicker to get blood faster to your muscles and then mm. you won't feel tired. You'll be able to yeah, do yeah, what yeah. you want to do better. But it, like, no one's taught anybody that physiology. So so after the warm-up, you feel a bit knackered. You think, well, that's it, I'm done. No, 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 that's not how it works. <laughs> that's literally what warm-up is for. You're supposed to get t- a bit tired straight away. The crucial question, Charlie about a warm-up perhaps the ultimate question um, one which I've never had a definitive answer to since like under eight all the way through to now is do you bounce when you're stretching <laughs> <laughs> I, is, it, is it allowed would you die if you bounced when you stretch ah uh, yeah I don't know that's you not know something you, you've run marathons yeah. you must know about stretching. are you a bouncer or not yes do I bounce how do you mean you know like when you're in the stretch you know like so you're stretching like the you know your hamstrings or whatever you've got the, both legs stretched out wide and you sort of just sort of just bouncing up and down. Oh, yeah. What? Because it kind of looks vaguely professional. No, because it, no. it's supposedly that it's harmful to your muscles to bounce when you're stretching. Mm. Don't bounce, guys. But I, but I think people do that, don't they? I feel that looking at Dave doing that, which, sorry, isn't very helpful to listeners. I think people do that because <laughs> they feel it looks sort of vaguely professional. When mm. you did it there, I thought, oh, yeah, that, he looks the part. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen professionals bounce. I, and I, I, I think, also I think they don't really know what they're doing either. I think maybe. it's just muscle memory, quite literally muscle memory. I'm really perturbed by the fact that you haven't ever encountered the concept of bouncing slash people telling you not to bounce when you stretch, having played foot, Sunday League football. This is very concerning. You've obviously played in a hyper-professional league <laughs> full of medical professionals. I don't know. Um, but I still have no... No definitive answers. I think it's something to do with that. You might be hyperextending the muscle fibres too bollocks. early. It's bollocks. It has yeah, to be. It's bollocks. I'm going to. Yeah, I might bounce. I might start bouncing in my warm ups. See where it takes me. Anyway, 
Shall we begin? Shall we begin our Sunday League 11? So goalkeepers, Dave, are inherently problematic position for Sunday League. I mean, there's an availability issue. There's clearly a talent issue. And I also suspect that after a certain age, people just don't want to play football anymore if they were previously kind of goalkeeping specialists. Yeah, no, definitely. We um, our, our keeper for Ribblesdale was... Well, our most sorry, our most we've actually gone through about three or four since he left the team. But um, of our, our most recent, our most cherished keeper used to just be like another one of the sort sort of utility players, like the ones that could just sort of do a job anywhere, play in mid- midfield, play at fullback, whatever. A good lad, and then one day just went in goal because he had to because we, you know, we, whoever was in goal um, didn't turn up, and he just stayed there just converted himself into a keeper and actually became quite good. Oh, that's quite rare. I mm. that's yeah, quite that's almost unheard of. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But, you know, but it can... I think if you're the sort of player who isn't guaranteed of a start and that sort of thing is important to you, you can sometimes think, you know what? I mean, I know I'm shitting goal. It's, I know it's playing in goal, but I'm playing every week. Fair play to that guy mm. for yeah. having that kind of foresight... I mean, it's almost like strategic. He's like, I'm going to get a game every week if I do this, but you're in goal. I mean, Charlie, having a willing, dedicated, able goalkeeper, I reckon it's 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 the Sunday League equivalent of being like Abu Dhabi era Manchester City. <laughs> that is the level of resources you're currently looking at. Um, it, I mean, it's win. It's it's like a win or lose. It's like, it, it could be the difference. Like having someone who can actually do the basic things in goal Definitely. is gold dust. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean. There is such a thinning out because, as you say, a lot of people either, you know, they, they're at a point now where they're at an age they don't really want to go and spend their Sundays just standing around mm. and go, or they have they want to play a different position. You know, I know people who are good goalkeepers at school, but now they're like, yeah, I'd much rather just go and play outfield and five aside. <laughs> so it, it, there is that thing out. And yeah, it is gold dust. If you find someone who is can really actually play the position and... Uh, is it enjoys it what i've learned as well like you know moving away from the stereotypes i've known a couple of goal, good goalkeepers we've had who are quite like introspective and do take it quite do take the role quite seriously we had one who was really really good but made a few errors and and was really hard on himself in a way that you know i was <laughs> kicked the gi- goalpost yeah given that the rest of us you know are also making errors like right left and center um there's also a thing isn't there where because if you have a goalkeeper who makes an error you're also just so grateful to have a goalkeeper so it's this tension of like well he's made an error but he is playing in goal he is doing something that's essentially impossible yeah. for the rest of us and and when someone which is what's so funny Dave about your story because normally when one of us if, if we don't have a keeper for whatever reason and you, someone does have to go and do a half you're just like oh my god you realise how hard this position is suddenly the goal looks enormous suddenly like we had a guy who's a really great athletic central midfielder he went in goal once and it was like it was like a kitten trying to like pour a bit of string when the ball <laughs> came near him and and I, I, I would be even worse I, mean, I would be awful I'm so bad I'm in that bracket probably being so bad I'd struggle to do it in 11 aside. side <laughs> I'd go in 5 aside. but like it's 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 just such a hard position. Whenever whenever you're a play, Sunday League player who has to do a shift in goal, and it's always putting it's always putting in a shift, and you always get a clap in. You get a clap when, a they, when they're doing oh, when yeah. they're doing the team at the start. Say, Dave's going in goal today. <laughs> yeah, they, they deserves applause yeah. definitely. But I, I think the thing about going in goal uh, that people perhaps don't envisage being an issue is that they they get their head around shot stopping. They've seen it. They know how it works. Distribution, same principle. They kind of got their brain around it, but it's positioning. 
You just you just don't know, and and it's it's positioning in terms of where you are in the penalty area um, in relation to the striker who's rushing on, and uh, am I in the right place? And then secondly, when a shot is going towards the goal and you're on the line, am I going to am I going to jump into the goalpost? That's all you can think about. <laughs> so it's the whole thing is flawed for someone who just doesn't know, you know, the you know isn't intimately um, familiar with the dimensions of a goal. But I want to play this clip because it, it's it's perhaps the most podcast friendly encapsulation of what it means to be a bad Sunday League goalkeeper. That shout, that shout is so... We used to have a game where we would scream, and and he went, would always go crazy if anyone else... You know they have this rule, goalkeepers have this rule, which I didn't realise, you don't say keepers, only they. Mm. And he would scream that, and they'd be like, nobody say keepers! (laughs) If anyone else... Would say it was like that was his domain. It was like, whoa, okay. I, I feel like I, I'm 90% sure that anyone listening to this podcast will know exactly what happened in that clip, where everybody was on the pitch, and how that goal went in. Just from the, just from perhaps even the 0.7 seconds between keepers and fucking hell. I want to hear it again. The, Let's hear it one more time. I want yeah. to hear it again. Just yeah, as you say, after the shit, the shout of keepers. Just yeah, the yeah. fucking yeah. hell just sums it up. <laughs> it's the tone of the fucking hell is perfect it's just like how <laughs> he's done everything right though the keeper's done everything right there he's come out he's he's decisive that is actually better than what you often see yeah if, 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 that horrible thing of a keeper staying on their line mm. you know yeah. just getting horribly caught in two minds and then yeah, but he's the, just uh, missed it Ma- that's much worse he's just that's, missed the ball keeper staying on his line and then just waiting to be shot at is definitely worse than coming out and missing it, but only just. Okay, so that's, that's that's our goalkeeper is sorted. We have a, in an ideal world, we have someone who played goalkeeper at under nines, under tens, under elevens, because that's where you actually get decent goalkeepers mm. and then somehow didn't fall out of love with the game. But I, I do sometimes wonder, like, my under 13 team who were really good, we had a brilliant goalkeeper, brilliant. He was really, really good. Could have played for county, district, whatever. I just sometimes I wonder, what are you doing now? Could you come and play for us? Pretty damn sure he hates football now and has no interest in it, but I bet he's still got it. I bet he's still got it in his head that he can do it. Where are you, Ben Wilson? Come and play for us again. Moving on to even slightly less glamorous uh, surroundings. This is right back, Charlie. I mean, it's not a glamorous position. That's That's been established. And it's all about throw-ins. Just lots and lots of throw-ins. And furthermore, going to get the ball for a throw-in, which in, in most Sunday league scenarios is an undertaking in itself yeah I feel as well like the right back should also have a role like club treasurer um, yeah yeah it, it, it lends itself very well to you know because the right back is someone who's you know the way they play they're going to be diligent they're going to be hard working and so I feel they will have a role like that of say looking after the club's cash or organising yes. who has the nets or something yeah. they're, they're rarely just a right back they should have an administrative role uh, yeah I mean I, I think this is probably the area I mean, and there are many, but where Sunday League and professional football most diverge is probably mm-hmm. the fullbacks and mm-hmm. certainly the right backs. We are light years behind this world where now in the Premier League, you know, fullbacks have become sexy. And, you know, you think of Trent Alexander Arnold and, and players like that. Uh, yeah, it remains uh, kind of, yeah, the preserve of the, the solid, if unspectacular, most solid if most unspectacular player in the team who is happy to do that 100%. thing of taking throws and that the the Sunday league <clears throat> pattern of just hurling up the ball, balls headed off, 
for another throw. They they have to be good at that te- technique of kind of wiping the ball on their shirt as well on a particularly like, <laughs> wet and windy day mm. um, because that is what they're going to be doing for most of the afternoon. I think it is a bit it is a bit of a graveyard position, even more so than left back in a way. Because as we'll as we'll come on to, if you're if you know if if you're playing at left back and you've got a left foot, that immediately puts you in a better position than than just some hapless right back who obviously will have a right foot but can't do anything else and, and it can often be also can be the home of the speaking from experience here the third centre back in the team who's not quite good enough to get into the, the middle <laughs> two but, but can do a job at right back but isn't really a full back doesn't really want to want to run beyond the halfway line and isn't entirely comfortable with, with making throw-ins also could be the home of the, the sort of winger who's again not quite good enough really but is you know a good lad and we We've got to give him some minutes so we can safely <laughs> tuck him away at right back for the last 15 minutes do of the game. Do a job at right back? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. I'm down with the idea of it, of it being kind of a scuttling dog's body who does have an extra kind of administrative responsibility. I mean, can we talk about Sunday League throw-ins? We've, made, we've often mentioned this in other episodes about you, you watch a game on Sky and you're thinking through a, through a Sunday League spectrum, you're thinking that's a foul throw, foul throw, foul throw. Never get Kyle Walker never gets pulled up. Aaron Wambasaka never gets no, pulled yeah. up. But you know, sometimes the, you know you'll get ludicrously obvious foul throws. But sometimes you think, come on, ref. I mean, he's basically thrown it from behind his head. You th- you'd think they'd be more lenient about it at Sunday League. I, it's such a weird thing, Charlie, for referees to get pernickety about. I don't understand of all the things that they that they have to monitor themselves on a Sunday League game that foul throws become a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I have slight skin in the game because on the few occasions I have had to fill in at right back, I can't take throws. That, that actually, <laughs> I, I would, I wouldn't mind playing right back, but I just can't take the what, throws. What That's do you fail at? Hate. What do you struggle with on the throws? Yeah, what's so I think about kind it? of everything. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> whatever the the various things you're not allowed to do, the lifting the foot or the not go mind your shoulder, whatever it is. But I actually think this is one of the rare officiating things in the Premier League I'm all for the fact that you just allow it because it's not it drives me mad that in Sunday League you're basically you can't take a short throw you'll get pinged so you basically have to do that thing of hurling up the line and you get into that cycle of just hurling up the line moving up 10 yards I just think like in the Premier League just let people play a bit fast and loose with it you're not getting much of an advantage it yeah I think the Premier League actually has that spot on yeah it's, it's, it's essentially the least enjoyable passage of play in Sunday League because you know no one's good enough to actually play their way out of it the only thing I can think of is maybe throw it to a centre-half chest and let them volley it upfield mm, but then dangerous yeah it's, that's still yeah fraught with, mm. fraught with danger <laughs> but it's, ex- it's excruciating agree. to watch though I feel so sorry for, and I've been this person as well but like when there's someone who's just their head's gone they just pe- they are petrified of taking a throw in. They've done three foul throws in a row. Everyone's getting oh come on basics lads, and they just they're trembling every time the ball goes out. And like then the centre back has to I'll do it. I'll go on. Just oh that, no, that would be awful. That would be. I would never let that happen to me. I, I it does make me wonder how many bad throw ins, stroke foul throws would it take for for it to qualify to he doesn't fancy it. He doesn't want it. Three. Mm-hmm. I mean three. You'd never normally get that for throw ins, but I re- you reckon three. Mm. I think so. Well, I reckon even though I reckon even though only after a couple you might start getting that. I'd like to think you get away with it. I mean, because no one wants to hear that. Obviously, it's the worst thing you can hear on a football pitch, which we'll definitely talk about um, later on. I want to talk centre halves now because I mean this is again a very stereotyped position for Sunday League, Charlie. I want to start first of all before we get into the specifics of their particular characteristics. One thing that's always struck me about playing centre-half is this obsession with the other person I'm playing alongside with pushing up and out we go. Someone who always has the job. 
of, of getting everyone pushed up when really tactically they don't they don't really know what they're doing they just think okay I've, I've said this for 20 years I just want you high up the field so that the other team can kick it over us and we have to run back again um, <laughs> that's it someone is obsessed with pushing out obsessed that's really interesting detail that I would not I think only if you've played at centre back you'd get oh, that's God. something that anywhere else on the pitch you just sort of you leave them to it and hope they'll kind of my um, my reply to this because I'm never the guy who says let's get out let's get out I've always got the like the really stern guy next to me who says right out we go come on out we go and I always linger back and he says you coming out come on up you care and I go I'm sweeping I'm sweeping I'm, I'm ten I'm yards sweeping. behind it's, it's, I love sweep I'm, I'm sweeping. in the Beckenbauer I'm Jamie Carragher <laughs> yeah <laughs> the level of the level of effort and scrutiny that goes into the the line of a Sunday League defence when invariably there are no linesmen who are equipped or exist. <laughs> and uh, it's, it, I think it's just, I don't know, it's just kind of, I mean, it's all part of the kind of um, release of fury from your working week, I suppose. It's these kind of earnest instructions. And I guess after 20 years, you think you know what you're saying, so it's your comfort zone. If, you th- if you're telling your defence to get out, then that's, then that's it. That's what you know. So perhaps that's part of it. But I'm thinking in this, in this cliched Sunday League, Ele- uh, League 11, if, if you and I, Dave, are playing centre-half, that first 30 seconds of a game where you decide who's marking who based on various... It's like the Terminator when he walks into that bar and he does a little calculations of everything you see. Well, I'm the quick one, so I'll take the quick one. You take the big lad and that's it. That's the, that, that is the parameters. Ed Malian, who I am uh, obliged in podcast language to say is of this parish, uh, suggests that every defence needs a bald-headed physical central defender who is a vocal leader and who you suspect may have spent some time in jail. Um, again, verging too far into caricature here, Charlie. But I mean, I do, you know, from anecdotal evidence, suggest that there are a disproportionate number of bald people playing centre half. Yeah, there probably are, and I think proportionately, the highest sort of per capita position of people being <laughs> referred to by their full name of like Adam Hurry, well played Adam Hurry, are centre backs and central midfielders. They are, they tend to be ones who, because they will invariably be. Amongst the most committed, but they, it's only they also that you get that. it's headers, well. That's yeah. the thing as well. But yeah, because it's headers that lends itself extremely well to that, you know. And, and like, there's a guy we play against who's called Schultzy, which I think is a really good one. But if he does a really good header, it will be like gr- different class. Dan Schultz. Um, <laughs> that's lovely, isn't it? When you when you we get to the stage where you sort of start to recognise the regular opponents yeah. that you have in other teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. There are some like pantomime villains. There are some sort of cult heroes. I th- and that probably is true about the bald, uh, the, the disproportionate number of bald centre backs. But they are, they, they, they often are. You know, the, the you, you hear them a lot because they are having to kind of organise, you know, and call the line for offside and that sort of thing. So they're they're often very conspicuous. Um, and again, with with talking about how like how different the fullbacks are at Sunday League level. There is, you know, I don't think ball playing centre backs has really kind of landed on the marshes quite yet. Maybe there's a little bit of that, but not, not, not to the same. As in, and, and if you do it, it feels like a bit of a novelty and quite fun and quite cool. Oh, I but think that's pro- that's the hugest appeal of playing centre. I think me and Dave, this partnership is very cultured. We are spraying passes left, right, and centre. That's the perk. That's why I ever started going back in playing centre half. Is this this idea that you can just step out of the ball, lift your head up, and just ping one, sort of semi deliberately out to the wing looking like you're aiming for someone when you're not really that's the biggest perk of all um, let's talk about left backs to complete our back four well I think we could, we've established it's probably the least enviable position of all which makes me think it's the prime place for someone making their debut who no one really knows what their level is stroke where they play is that fair to say Charlie? 
Well, left back, I think, actually, like you were saying before about goalkeeper, like if you have a good goalkeeper, you feel like you are a proper side. We For a few years, we had a guy who was an actual left back. He was left-footed. He was not a guy who wanted to play on the wing. He was a genuine fullback. And it felt like we had hit the big time. It was like, this like this is almost luxurious. Like, we feel a bit spoiled. Like, having a guy who, he's just a proper left back. You know, he would get forward really well, but he could also defend. He would win headers. But generally, yeah, I mean, as Dave mentioned at the start, often it is just someone who happens to be left-footed, which then will mean they'll take a lot of set pieces as well um you know obviously you, you want those at sunday league you want in swingers uh kind of at, at, at all costs um but otherwise if you don't have a left footer or someone who actually wants to play there it is uh the the <laughs> like you were saying with the center backs of like i'll go for the you know i'll because i'm a few inches taller i'll go and try and win all the headers it will be right we've got two fullbacks who's slightly less shit on their left foot uh, yeah, that would be me. Okay, well then, you, yeah, you, can you can you do us a job at left back? Um, and they'll still spend most of the game trying to cut in, and then they'll land. They'll get into oh, trouble by doing that. Oh, it's so unsatisfying to watch. I mean, oh god, just watching someone have to cut back on their right foot in a in a sort of slightly it's terrible, perilous isn't it? final third situation. I mean, Dave, as a centre back, you've probably played with the odd kind of occasional reluctant left back, and you're kind of talking them through it a bit like Maverick does at the start of Top Gun, sort of getting them through, getting through that ninety minutes just by talking to them. Um, like you're on a, some sort of helpline for for left backs, but yeah, you stick close to them and they'll be all right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, you always get this thing with with fullback. This could happen on either side, really. But if you've got an an inexperienced fullback, their instinct, and this isn't a you know, you can understand why, but their instinct is to like run out to the winger. Well, if the winger's on the other side of the pitch, the ball's on one side of the pitch, but the winger is on right on the other side of the pitch, they'll think, oh God, my man's over there. I've got to get tight to him, leaving about a 60 yard gap between you and the fullback. Yeah. And you're just like, no, tuck in. I don't want to have to go, <laughs> come round. But I get that. I get that impulse because I'm watching, when I watch Premier League games and, and, and whilst I realise this is the, you know, the bleeding edge of tactical innovation and the ball's on one side of the pitch in, in the kind of wide camera angle and I see the far fullback tucking right in and the winger right on the, on the touchdown. I was like, get out there he hasn't seen him he's it's like oh my god I've, I've, I've broken modern football I've definitely found a little chink in everybody's armour um, but it turns out no that's actually the way of doing it fair play but yeah that's what I would do as a Sunday league left back never leave my station never tuck in never get involved anywhere in the middle of the pitch absolutely not so no I completely disagree with that <laughs> another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This leads us to our, our first interval. This is um, the first little um, talking point from our listeners about their irritations of, of Sunday League. But before I do that, I guess this is a, this is a ideal time to talk about half-time team talks. They are the, this melting pot of hot takes, Charlie. 
And and it's the first 30 seconds of half-time teams, especially if you're losing, it's just kind of this maelstrom of people trying to offer their take, their kind of summary of the first half. And then one guy, not necessarily the captain, will rise above it all with his one big hot take of how that first 45 minutes went down and getting incredibly angry at everyone in general. I mean, it'll be like, they're shit, lads. These are shit. Like, you, you know, <laughs> these the sort are of like... Shit. Such a perfectly way of phrasing it as well. These are shit. These are shit, <laughs> lads. Um, we'll get chances against these. They're not that good. If that's, you know, if you're losing. You know, we're a few things away. Yeah. Picking the wrong it's gonna option. Come. It's going to yeah, come. It's composure. Yeah. It's taking a touch in front of goal. You know, all of this sort of thing. Yeah, it's going to come. That's the more sort of encouraging. Or what will it offer me is, well, is you, know, you know, like, I'm watching from the sidelines for half an hour. We're doing all right there. We're doing all right. There's no issue. Yeah. And, it, and then it's we're sort fine, of... We're I, fine. Yeah, I don't know what then happened the last 15... You know, the head's gone. We're still in this, boys. Next goal's got to be ours, which I do think to myself often, I'm like, the next goal's so crucial here. But that is so often the case. I mean, oh, it's, totally. it's, actually, it's actually pretty rare in a game of football. When would the next goal... I mean, you'd have to have like a four-goal lead for the next goal not to be really crucial. Well, I mean, there's, there's this kind of um, universal cliche in football, Dave, about the 2-0 being the most dangerous score in football. Um the psychological makeup of a Sunday league football team is so fragile that being 2-0 up is no guarantee, which makes me think that in, in almost every case of being 2-0 down at half-time, someone will say, if we get one goal, this lot are going to crumble. This lot, look at them. If we get one goal, Th- these are that's shit. it. <laughs> like, well, that's no guarantee. You're right. It is the fragility of the whole thing. It is always on a knife edge. Basically, 2-0 is basically nil-nil in Sunday League most of the time. Like you need you need a three or four goal lead really to be able to to completely relax. And you can feel that when you are three nil up or four nil up, all of a sudden it's like, Christ, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Beckenbauer here. I'm just knocking it about yeah, left, it, right, it, center. I'm, it, give me the ball. Yeah, I want it. Give me, give me yeah, a short. Yeah, yeah. When it's, it's when it's yeah. tight, so true. just lump it, get it away from me. I don't <laughs> want it. And it can just change like that. I know when I, when I watch football, professional football and they, they are like defending a one goal lead or something and someone will take a, a defender or something, will take a short pass, get their head up past it. I'm literally like, how, how are you not just hoofing it? Like I, the, the mental toughness of these players. I wonder if that's. I wonder if like what if you're watching a game like that and you have Sunday league experience under your belt, it's worse for you because you can kind of put yourself in that position as an amateur footballer and think, oh my god, I would just hoof it. Whereas I think like someone who has no comprehension of what it's like to play football and yet still likes professional football must probably not get that same anxiety. I don't, maybe they don't suffer it like we do. I don't know. But, um, I think that's really true, yeah. One more element of psychological weaponry in Sunday League. I feel like this is the defining moment. This is the most withering thing. We've already talked about he doesn't fancy it, he doesn't want it. And then this, um, this idea that if we get one, they will crumble. But when a game has completely gone out of sight, and the winning team will still turn the screw when someone on the other team deigns to have a shot from like 30 yards that goes nowhere. And they say all day. That, ruined, that ruins my entire weekend. Nothing, nothing, relatively speaking, in the English language can reduce me to a more furious ball of frustration than all day. <laughs> all day. All day. Let them do that all day. Let them do that. That's fine. Let them do that. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Let me shoot. Let me fucking shoot. It's fine. That's the whole point of football. Anyway, Dave's uh, Elliot Newstead says, a tiny irritation of Sunday League is a captain who decides to change ends upon winning the toss. Now, I'm not sure about this because this is Sunday League and it could be crucial. Mm. Pitches are not perfect. The conditions... The wind can change. Definitely. So this is debatable. Yeah, because, I mean, you want to know what the decision's been made on. But if if it's, if there's a, a sort of low-lying winter sun that's in your eyes 
Um, yeah, if one goal mouth has got a puddle in and the other doesn't, or if, you know, as is also quite common, there's a ludicrously steep incline on the pitch, you know, or the wind. You've just described, you've described hell to me. <laughs> Sloping pitch, puddle at one end, low winter sun. That's it. I, would, I wouldn't play. I, it, literally the pits. It's especially annoying that if you're playing out wide and you've already chucked your water bottle on your flank and then yeah. they get moved around. You've do got you to move your bags? get your water bottle, do you move, move do your you stuff around. you have to move around. your bags from the... The pres- where do you put your bags as well? This is it. oh my god! Oh, kettle of fucking different kettle of fishes. Where do you put all your communal bags? It, I reckon it's what fifteen yards inside yeah. your half. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, but not um, behind the goal because they'll get nicked. This, this inherent mm. um, sort of moral panic that your stuff will get stolen if you put it behind the goal. I, I, yeah, you want to be far enough away from the other team for when you give your halftime team talk, yeah. as if you're going to be saying anything that's like massively insightful. Oh yeah, anyway. yeah, you don't want to be but too like, close. But sometimes, yeah, sometimes it'd be like, boys, let's let's let's, yeah. let's move down a bit. Keep going. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't want them hearing these are shit. If they yeah, hear yeah, that, yeah. that, that'll ruin our whole game yeah, plan don't, for the second don't, half. Don't let them know that if you if we get a goal, they'll crumble because then they'll you, know. So yeah. we don't want to let them. Do, we don't want to tell them about their own. Don't psyche. tell them the next goal's key. Have you ever done the thing where you, you know, like at half time, if you if there are if you if you're lucky enough to be near a changing room with a toilet, and you want to go for a quick wee at half time, and sometimes. That means, you know, I sort of walk... Half-time we? Yeah, potentially. Yeah, you've weed at half-time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, and you're all, all pre-match and you walk past the other team's team talk, you do sort of just lean in and see, but what am I expecting to hear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've heard lads, lads are playing a false nine today. There's, there's nothing you can do if you, with that information. That's the best thing. Um, Schultz's playing right uh, back. On, on, the, <laughs> on the subject of changing ends, um, this... This genuinely is incredible. I'm going to read it out in full. Um, this was a piece um, Cy Hughes did for The Athletic last year about um, the Sunday league scene in Liverpool, the ultra-competitive Sunday league scene. And he interviewed um, Jamie Carragher, who'd, who takes a you know, real interest in, in kind of that standard of football. And um, changing ends, the, the politics of changing ends goes right to the very top. This was um, a story from Carragher of when he was at Liverpool. He says, a perfect example is an argument me and Pepe Reina had when he had people on his side. I was like, I learnt this when I was seven years old because we'd all played in different types of weather. I was told always to play with the advantage. Pepe was like, no, we'll use it in the second half. I looked at him like he'd fallen out of a tree. I can't remember if it was the wind or the sun, but I was saying you always play with the advantage because the weather can change. It's the most obvious thing in the world. It might stop being windy or the sun might go behind the clouds. The sun might go over the back of the stand. I couldn't even believe it was an argument. We'll take it in the second half, they were saying. Saying, we might have fucking lost by then. He's, He's right. right. Carragher's 100% Completely right. Pepe, right. wrong. Yes. Yes. Okay, so glad we agree on this. Okay, now we move into midfield. Charlie, I'm going to start on, on the right-hand side. And only when I started writing this in my notes did I realise, in Sunday league terms, I've never called it right wing or right winger because I always see it as much more functional than that. So I always say right mid because in my head it's, it rams home the functionality of this. I'm thinking more of an Angelo Delivio than a kind of flying right winger. Um, I'm not saying that's what I've got in my mind for you in this eleven, but I feel like every every kind of average Sunday league team has one kind of semi-serious marathon runner in there, and you are that man. Yeah, this has kind of emerged as my position as as I've got older, and that, that's kind of played more into my skill set. You know, I kind of still have dreams of playing more centrally and who knows one day maybe that'll happen but uh, <laughs> yeah it is yeah if you can get up and down that goes a long way 
I think. And yeah, it is more of a mid- I mean, I guess as well, like you say, it speaks to the fact that most teams do play that kind of 4-4-2. Or a put, you know, the, the biggest sort of tactical innovation you might get is a 4-5-1, mm. which we sometimes do, because oh, then yeah. you're packing the midfield. But um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of as, as sophisticated as it gets tactically. We've, we've played 4-2-3-1. Um, we've had back threes. Oh, oh, really? Systems. I mean, but essentially, even, I mean, even when you play a back three, I sort of feel like kind of everyone defaults to 4-4-2 anyway, just on the pitch. Even if you say, right, we're going to play 4-2-3-1, two holders, boys, and then two wide midfielders who it's come in when we haven't got the ball. And it's yeah. like, well, you're just basically going to have two banks of four, aren't you, really? I feel like any kind of mid-game tactical innovations are based on whose job is being made the hardest by the current state of affairs. And I would say 85% of the time it would be one centre-back saying, I've not got free coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming we need, through. We need more, pro- we need more protection. So <laughs> solution being extra man in midfield. Yeah. That's it. But yeah, I mean, for, for me, I just I don't see my, my wide midfielders as dribblers in Sunday League because that, 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 that kind of requires way too much expectation. So it's more a case of, as, as Charlie perfectly says, it's covering ground. Because again, a precious commodity. It's a bit like a goalkeeper. Anyone who can run up and down a football pitch for 90 minutes willingly is a huge commodity, Dave. Having that, having said that, and again, this is similar to the right-back, left-back equation, it feels to me like you often... I don't think I've ever played against a Sunday League team with two flying wingers. But, <laughs> but usually usually one, on, one on, on either wing who wants to play out there and is considers that maybe has a bit of pace or is a bit tricky or you know has a good ball on them. But yeah, you need to balance it out with... With, if you've got Mares on one side, you need Albrighton on the other. I was other. literally going to say you need the Mark Albrighton. <laughs> okay, maybe I've done a, a slight disservice to my right-sided midfield, but um, yeah, I still, I still at the grassroots level, I prefer function over flair. I have to say, but luckily that's more in abundance. So in the middle of our engine room, taking it from a from a kind of psychological perspective again, I feel like there's a constant battle for moral supremacy between a defence and midfield. They're almost like rival factions. And you get this kind of almost sort of pantomime, Dave, between a defence and a midfield, where the defence will shout, where's the midfield at some very key stage of the game? Where are you? Like, you're not getting back quick enough. And and that always comes after the really kind of weird, um, kind of earnest instruction at the start of the game, just before kickoff, where one of the midfielders will turn around and sort of clap at you and say, lots of talking back there, yeah? Lots of talking. It's like, yeah, yeah, good, good shout, yeah. And then you nod and go, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, no problem, no problem. With a little, with a little hand, hand signal. Play your talking, please, boys. <laughs> Lots of talking back. <laughs> and then I'll do that to the keeper as well. I feel like it's a chain reaction. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably in turn around to the midfield. And I'll go to the keeper. Yeah, big, big, big calls, yeah, lots of talking. And if... um. If the keeper's making his debut, the, the crucial question, are you you left or left or right-footed? Because, <laughs> because you're going to really nail those back passes uh, on a bumpy Clapham Common pitch, definitely. Yeah. Such tactical cohesion, Charlie, only comes through communication, I imagine. And communication is such a massive thing in Sunday League as a theory. And, and the concept of talking. Where's the talking? We're not lads, we're not talking, we're not talking. Where's we've got good quiet? As... And this is if that's that that is the barometer for the performance of a Sunday League team. Yeah, it's so key, and also it really does crystallise in the central midfield engine room. You you need yes, to have yes. an often short, very scrappy talker <laughs> who do, who is communicating, who's giving it out to his teammates, he's giving it out to the ref. You know, he would probably lead the box them in cry. 
it might be said of him that he's the only one tackling because you know he mm. would be really doing all of that yeah. stuff so I mean it, it's such a key position they would often be the captain of the team you know you've got probably as I said you know the right back's probably doing treasury duty you might have someone else doing yeah. a bit more of the management <laughs> but you want your centre mid as you know the vocal tough tackling uh, skipper you know we, I remember we, we played a guy and he to, to that point about like you know it's all gone quiet I think I may have mentioned this before but he um he was your absolute archetype of that kind of diminutive, kind of tough tackling centre mid. And he would scream out things like, silence! Meaning like, it's <laughs> quiet. And it reminded me of like a sort of cartoon <laughs> villain, like when someone talks to them and they say, silence! The teacher. It, it, yeah, or te- it <laughs> yeah. was that sort of thing. It was, it was actually quite scary. Um, but yeah, that was like how much he detested the fact that it had all gone quiet and there was no, there was no communication. I am, um, but David, it gets to the point where you can have too much talking and when it all spills over, there's that fine, very defined moment, and and I I feel like I I really enjoy the moment that I spot this happening in the opposition, and it, you can say this with impunity as well. It's not like when you shout all day to ridicule someone else's shooting ability. It's the moment you realise that they're fighting amongst themselves, and you can therefore declare it to the rest of your team to really get them going. Ah, oh, they're fighting amongst themselves. This is it. We've got them. Brilliant, brilliant moment. Really enjoy it. It's confidence. Everything about playing Sunday League is whether you are confident in that moment or not. And the moment you see the other team fighting, instantly you just the chest, your chest sticks out a bit more. So you just relax. You think, oh, yeah. not a problem. This is fine. It's, it's a real hidden perk, Dave, of, of watching another team fight amongst themselves. Because it's essentially, it's essentially like a side bit of entertainment for the game. Not necessarily affecting the result. It's just like a little bit of extra added bonus and um whenever whenever i see a team do that my i always make a beeline for whichever is the nearest striker on my team and you know <laughs> within about three or four seconds about whether they're going to sympathize with you yeah and you can have a conversation about it because if they're not getting involved or even if they are getting involved you can sort of go over and say yeah he's a bit of a dick isn't he you're sent him in. And you go yeah. yeah he's a twat and it, i i swear down i swear down it is it is it's not even politics i swear it's it's gamesmanship to make friends with the opposition striker. Yeah. I am totally on board with this. I don't think you should have running battles. I think you should get them on your side and have a laugh with them. And that's when you get them in your pocket. 100%. I'm all, I always try and do that. You know, I, I, I'm the last person who would want to be, and, and, and my teammates would probably say this is a failing of my game, but who would want to be overly aggressive on, on, the, on the football pitch. And I enjoy just the friendly banter, the friendly chat. What's your, what's your opening gambit with an opposition striker? Because I, I never know what the league tables are. I, can, I never remember who's, which team is what. Oh, so I, I'm always like, you doing okay this season? Are you, are yeah, you, are you getting, getting right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to sort of find common ground with the ref because you're, I mean, as in when I'm talking to my opposition fullback, because you can cut, you know, you, he's like the common enemy. So you'll be, you know, you might say, I might say, I'm like, oh my God, he's just blowing up for everything today, isn't he? And then he'll be like, yeah, 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 he's shit, he's useless. We hate this ref. And so you're kind of, you've, you've got this common ground, you know, you're, you're both there to play football. So, and sometimes they're just absolutely not up for it. But most, most of the time, I think they, they also don't want a running battle. It's a good success rate. I think. Mm. The textbook, the textbook example actually for me is so. This isn't like the opening gambit often, but it's like let's say my, my team has got a pen, won a penalty, a dubious penalty. Mm. I often go. I, I <laughs> yeah. like just to go. Mm, probably did dive a bit there, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it shows humility, mm. it, you know. Yeah, and it and and it's underlined by the fact that 
they can't do anything about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. It's not even sportsmanlike, but it does maybe like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably yeah, probably was a bit Completely. soft. Because you're not going to go up to the referee and go, actually, yeah. that, that wasn't a penalty. <laughs> but you will secretly say to strike it. Yeah, I got a bit lucky there. But um, sometimes, I, depending on who it is, I will go full self-deprecation straight in the first minute and say, mate, go easy on me. Don't go to, don't run too quickly. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got much pace. And you know, that's a full sense of security situation. Let's see, let's see what they've got now. Because actually... I know I don't have pace, but still, my positional sense is fairly superior, so uh, you'll have to do a lot to get past me. Um, anyway, on from that very weird point, goal scorer challenge suggests for our central midfield the portly trequartista, who doesn't move outside the centre circle because he's physically incapable of doing so. Now, Dave, I fear we, I fear this is too cliche, but then now I think about it, how many? Think of how many f- good fat footballers you've come up against in the past. There are. Mm. An oddly huge yeah. number of them. To the point where if I'm sizing up a team in the warm-up before the game, just, just looking at them, just trying to work out who's good, a, a, a you know an abnormally large man is actually cause for concern because I'm thinking, what possible reason could you have? You must be really good because obviously, yeah. you know, you are, you know, without being unkind, some of these guys are absolutely massive. And you think, well, you can't, you know, you're not going to be quick. You're not tall. So... And more often than not, they have a they have a brilliant touch and they can just control Incredible. it. And, and they're so big and strong, you can't really, can't really get the ball off them. So they don't need to run. Mm. There's a guy on the marshes, fairly famous from, from maybe the sort of last semi-generation, Charlie, the guy called The Fridge, who did that, li- he literally just did um, what Goal Scorer Challenge has described, which is just stand in the centre circle and keep the ball fairly effortlessly while people swarmed around him. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to kind of include this all near caricature in R11 because... These characters do exist, and and it is a skill set that doesn't just come out of nowhere. I see it, it's their immobility that actually kind of promotes it. All they do is just spend their time sort of doing mini keepy uppies all the time. I think as well that complements quite well the hard running, hard tackling um, kind of leader alongside him because he can sort of do his running. But yeah, I, I totally know what you mean, Dev. I mean, you were looking be like, yeah, you you must be so good to be kind of carrying that weight and be in the team. And 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 that's also a classic thing that happens in Sunday League is that you're. You'll start off, you'll see someone clearly has like a weakness like that. Like he's clearly immobile. You're like, we've got to get around him. Surely that that will be a weakness. Or you look at a big keeper who you're, or a really short keeper or whatever it is. And you're like, we can, and then you just somehow you, you're not able to take advantage of this like really obvious <laughs> yes. weakness. And it's like, how are they getting away with this? It, it's like playing someone at chess. Like it's, it, they're, they're just, they're just better than you and they're cleverer than you and they know what you're going to do. The best opportunity you get to get to know these people, or perhaps anybody really, is it's never going to be on the pitch because you're too enthralled by the game, Charlie. And, and, and the pub afterwards, which is never something I really embraced purely because I was, I, I lit, I had a headache after every single game, I, you know, dehydrated. I have work tomorrow. I probably got something to do tonight. And this was all pre family and things like that. There was no way I was going to go to a um, hard-to-get-to pub in South West London just to make my journey home even harder. The opportunity I got to kind of talk to these people was in the lift. And I am king of getting lifts to and from football. I feel like it's an art form. If you don't have a car and, uh, and you know, you're going to have to tube and train it to football, then the ability to wangle a lift there and back as far out of their way as possible, which is the key. Well, and, and you mean, are you getting a lift like from home and to home as well? It's not just a... Can I you would never station? push it that far. Okay. I could probably just jump out here, mate. The lights, actually. That's fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll walk the rest of the way. <laughs> oh, God. Getting out of the lights with your massive bag out of a, out of a two-door car. 
with a kind of with a cramped up hamstring. <laughs> That's the worst part of Sunday League. That that encapsulates everything I hate about it. Even thinking about doing it makes me not want to ever go back and play. And you've lost, and it's that full on like, well played today, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah cheers, you too. Yeah. Which station do you need to go to? Oh, I mean, which where, I mean, where are you going? <laughs> which which way are you going? Well, not really my way, but yeah. I mean, I'd like you to take me to the exact one, please, but. <laughs> Is that taking the piss? I don't know. Yeah, I can take you to station that only serves one train an hour. Mm, not really good enough for me. Uh, just, um. <laughs> Let's move on to the left side of midfield, Charlie. Um, Sam, Listener Sam suggests that quintessential players for your team, your only two left-footed players should be playing at left-back and left-wing. Your left-footers need to be exceptional at something to get any other players in the team. Again, it's it's a very extreme example of the fetishization of, of left-footed players. Like They're not going to get a role anywhere else in the team, are they? We need you there. Imagine, yeah, the confidence the league team would have to have to play a left-footer on the right. I mean, that would be... I just that can't, would I be, can't picture it. I just can't. I mean, God, this, the message that would send out at the start of the match mm. would be like, yeah, we're doing a sort of yeah, Riyad Mahrez type oh, thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think Dave's right when he says there is scope to have that more uh, kind of engine-based uh, right winger than with a more kind of dribbly, mm. skillful left winger. I mean, they're, they're going to move. I think they're going to be on that, that left-hand side if they're, if they're going to be on either. But yeah, I mean, often it is more the sort of chalking your boots style uh, <laughs> le- left-footed left winger that we're told is a dying breed. Well, not at Sunday League, baby. We'll, we'll, take, another, we'll take another little interval here because um, I've, I was interested to know from our listeners what levels of pretension their Sunday League teams have gone from. How far above their station have they deigned to go, Dave? My example would be when my brother, who, who took on every administrative role for our Sunday League team at one point, he was, he was treasurer, he was manager and dare I say it top goal scorer sadly um he brought he bought one of those little magnetic tactics board with the counters on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> we still played 4-4-2 <laughs> we still still play 4-4-2 what's the point what is the point what um, did he do with it then? and what to the to how to give us an insight into that team talk with that t- tactics well, board. It, well it was pre- presented with some irony I hope I'd like to think so and I, I'm fairly sure the tactics um sophistication went as far as you just sit to one of our centre mids, and you bomb on, and that's it. So it's maybe a four-four-two diamond in his in his defence. If we're going into real tactics, um, kind of sophistication. But um, now I think about it, the, the, he he went as far as commissioning a cameraman to film a couple of our cup finals, so that it would be put on DVD with graphics oh, and TV replays. Oh my you, God. Do, you do find more and more these days, I think, in, in the Southern Sunday League anyway, that teams will, and I think these are maybe some of the teams that are a little bit more um, established and they like, you know, they might have, there's some sort of sporting club or whatever and they've got two or three teams. So they might have a bit of money in the coffers. And um, they, they buy those cameras that are like on a 10 foot high tripod that, that film the whole, they kind of track, I, I don't know if they actually track the ball or, or how they work, but they basically film the whole thing. And I mean, that, that is just mental. I mean, who is, imagine getting sent your footage uh, to watch in the week, you know, your analysis. Oh God, imagine someone clipping it up. 
there's a team in our league touch. to do that. They video every game. But oddly, we once oh played God. them and we came back from 4-0 down to win 5-4 to the point of like, you know, <laughs> even 4-0 is not a safe lead. And I don't think that footage ever saw the light of day. And we were very I was say, Did you email them and say, well, can we... Uh, so that exactly, we? We, we genuinely had that conversation. <laughs> we were like, what would be amazing is if we could get that footage and watch it at our end of season do or Christmas do or something. Yeah. But I think we thought it would be too dickish to email being like, well, you've got the footage. <laughs> can we please see it? But also, yeah, a, mid, um, a midweek team I played in similar, Adam, to your experience, the manager he would turn up with his iPad and he would send I think he got one of those like formation builders and so would have the team kind of on that and again sort of semi-ironically but he'd also come in a suit and I'm sure he didn't need to wear a suit for work I mean it was it was a midweek evening so I think his justification was I've come from work I'm sure he smartened up sort of en route (laughs) I don't think he had to wear a suit for work so a turn up kind of with the iPad, with the suit, sometimes smoking a cigarette as well to kind of give that like a more a more urbane uh, image. Yeah. But yeah, it was. Uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't underestimate just how many kind of um, ambitious young managers there must be out there, and maybe like injuries curtailed their career or something. But um, we have we have some excellent other examples here. Nathan says. I remember when our Sunday league team got to a cup final. You'll like this, Charlie, then. Our manager made us walk around the pitches in our suits, <laughs> just like the pros. The other team were laughing at us. It was pissing down with rain. Our shoes got filthy and we lost. That's, it's, it's, that's too much, isn't that it? Is I mean, unless you're, unless you're like a, an, like a proper, proper high-level under-13s team, playing at a stadium or something you're not you don't wear suits to your cup final that lo- losing is such good comeuppance because that same time I mentioned that film every game they're quite like that they take themselves very seriously they've all got proper stash they'll bring a squad of like 18 to a game so it's like you're bringing a couple of guys who aren't going to play they seem to all like come in the same like minibus it's like guys and like this team so we we would we now have an awake it I think but we would say to them like you know, it's so arbitrary. We all play at the same place anyway, but it's like one team's home, one team's nominally away. And we'd be like, we're both in blue. Can you just like wear your away kit? I know technically you're home, whatever. They'd be like, no, we can't do that. We're at home, guys. Like, I mean, come on. Like, like surely <laughs> life is too short for this sort of thing. I like this one. Andy says, there was that season where we tried zonal marking when defending set pieces. And um, again, there, there is a kind of ceiling, Dave, to how much tactical and technical innovation you should be employing in Sunday League. I mean, I, again, I, there's, I'm, I'm threatening to do everybody a disservice here who plays Sunday League, but we don't need that. We just don't need it. I think, yeah, but I mean, obviously... <laughs> I think, Your team defends only, doesn't no, they? Well, no, no, we don't. But we, do, we do have a bit of a hybrid model at times. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think that is actually a good idea because if you've got one player like we do who are out, absolutely outstanding at heading the ball, you don't really want them tussling with the big six foot five centre back. Just say, oh no, the just, theory's just fine. Get to the ball, just wherever that ball goes. Yeah. Just slam your head on yeah. it, and then leave the rest of us who can't or don't want to head it to just try and stop the others from jumping by wrestling with them. Yes, but but and I mean a full a full right Rafa Benitez top. across the six yard box zonal marking though would be yeah you you can't go that far that'd be ludicrous there are genuinely technical merits to any approach that you take here and you know I support your hybrid scenario but it flies in the face of one of the cast iron stonewall traditions of Sunday league set pieces is that someone's job <laughs> is to is to look around 
and f- and and find someone who is unattended yep. on the opposition. And if you're defend if you're defending fully zonally, then that person will look around and go, "We've got six, six <laughs> on the edge." Yeah, they would. Their minds would blow <laughs> because you never go beyond two. You can't go beyond two. And so that, if you have more than two, I've got seven players. I've got seven here. <laughs> I've got seven here. I love that because because that's that's that extends it even further. It says this is all on me. I've got to deal with them. I've got two. Any more than two, and it becomes like proper crisis like Charlie like something has to be done and then someone hurriedly runs back and goes so I, so I got him got him got him yeah that, that is I, I'm so impressed if anyone can do anything other than just it and, and also the key of like same if you can see if you head it straight out for a corner same men boys same men when uh, mm. when they line oh, yeah, up yeah, yeah, second, yeah, yeah. Do, do not start changing it but we had someone yeah, on like yeah. the self-important I remember there was someone we played against in about 2004 when Ruvan Nistelrooy popularised standing really far offside and then would like drop back <laughs> in. He was doing that, but he was just getting flagged aside. He was like, "I'm doing a Van Nistelrooy," and it was like, "Yeah, oh, it's not oh, really, no. it's not really working." And around that time, as well, I remember a guy, oh, their team was losing, and him just shouting out like, "It's the system, it's not working," and it was like again, just like so self-important that, that, that it was the system that was the issue. Yeah, I'm doing a Van Nistelrooy. I'm, I'm all for treating Sunday league football as, as essentially an arena in which to recreate things you've seen in professional footballers, but never say it, <laughs> never say it out loud that that's what you're doing. <laughs> that's awful. Yeah, set pieces just genuinely are just uh, just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Like as a not particularly tall centre half. Dave I mean you're six foot two I mean you, you could probably handle yourself in those situations but I take great pleasure in marking someone who's much much taller than me and then again it's just giving them a nudge and rib saying you've got no chance here I'm going to climb all over you or something ridiculous um great fun no it is good fun like it is it is the time where you can yeah as you say like if, if you're if you're marking the same person at every corner and you have a success you might have 10 15 corners in a match you do generally develop a little personal battle so the point <laughs> like what the one of the weirdest ones i had with last season where a guy a, like a pretty decent striker wasn't particularly physical but he knew i was he knew i was sort of taught matching him up as one of the taller players so he knew i was onto him and he was getting a bit annoyed with me marking him and he just went off the pitch to like sort of tempt me to see whether I'd come with him. Like he literally went oh, like weird. to run round the back of the goal. And I was sort of like, oh, oh, okay. what do I... Like ice hockey. Yeah, like what do I do here? Do I follow him or do I go <laughs> back, back round the other way? Is he going to come yeah, back yeah. on? Because I can't I can't risk him coming on and like being completely Skipping free. over the bags. Yeah. It was, like Robert Perez so and White Hartley. Completely, yeah, the ball didn't come to him, so it was fine. But it, it, if it was as uh, uh, on a uh, on a mind games level, it completely worked. I'm gonna say that's he's really got in your head there. That's quite smart. Also, yeah, Adam, on your so. on your I, thing, if, if you're the shorter guy with someone taller, then you can do the you've done yeah. enough, which is really satisfying. If you know you've you've not yeah. won the header, but they've not won the head, you've just sort of like ease them out of the way and that's really that will normally get a clap the kind of reality of of defending set pieces really hits home like you've watched football on tv and you've seen countless times where a defender has lost his man and they've scored and the co-commentator will point out you know that was his job and he's lost him and you think well yeah that looks pretty careless i'd never do that myself but now dave you probably don't have this because again you're you're the tall guy heading it away but charlie you probably have this issue although your work ethic is is much higher than mine where marking is just a pain in the arse like follow it like running after someone especially through a jungle of bodies is genuinely a pain in the arse so the extent of my marking is this if the ball comes towards me i will try and head it away if i've got to follow a runner who's trying to run onto the ball somewhere else my marking extends to like standing really firmly in his way and if that's not enough i'm sorry and 
an annoying amount of times that results in a goal and it's my fault. But no one ever knows because no one ever sees because how is anyone ever going to spot it? For attacking set pieces, Dave, as a centre-half, it's a, like a, it's a little treat, isn't it? Because like, you take it in turns to go up. <laughs> I love that. Such a nice little arrangement. And then, and then after about an hour, I'm like, oh, I can't be asked. Go on, you do it. Because I have had no effect. I think this, is, this has been more of an issue for, for me as I've got older and, and markedly less fit is knowing that you're going to have to run back. <laughs> Potentially, like, at, if there's a counter, you're going to have to try and run back at full speed, potentially the whole length of the pitch. <laughs> Charlie, you won't sympathise with this at all because you're, you're a fitness freak. But um, when when I go up for an attacking set piece and there's an instant counter-attack, I find myself doing that run that some Premier League players do in, like, injury time where you have to your head goes, head like, goes cartoonishly <laughs> down and you start running because <laughs> you think that will make you go faster. <laughs> or it, it, it certainly or, makes it look like you're trying really hard. Yeah. It's like, oh, arms, arms really, yeah. really going. I, I couldn't, yeah. I could not be giving more. No, I don't mind tracking back, but I will definitely, like, set pieces, I will often be like, I just really hope this doesn't come into my, to sort of where I am. And, like, in, in, a, lo- in a long, when you know a team's got a long throw, what you can do is kind of just go for the short you know you block off the short option you're like it's never coming here This I'm in a really yeah. safe space I do fancy myself in the air in sort of uncontested aerial situations but when it's like a direct attempt on goal it's never going to happen for me so I tend to go up for corners Dave and then hover on the edge of the box as if I'm going to sweep up anything that comes one, the ball has never come to me and, and it's never going to come to me in a sufficient accuracy for me to be able to do anything with it. And then if, if it did, what am I going to do? Volley it? What? Pull skulls against Villa? It's not going to happen. I don't know what I'm doing there. I'm doing a skulls. Adam's getting and head <laughs> the ball. <laughs> don't announce it before the corner as well, yeah. <laughs> Lurking at the back post is surely the best option for someone like you. Our, 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 okay. our um, grizzly mouthy central midfielder scored so many goals for us just by because he wasn't very tall but he just stood at the back post knowing that quite often keepers wouldn't catch it defenders wouldn't head it tapping i'm going to bear this in mind for my imminent return i'm definitely going to do this speaking i mean we talked a lot about threatened um, innovations in sunday league football this this is going to bring us a little bit back down to earth of catholic bells delighted that amateur football trophies simply have not evolved since I first saw one in 1991. <laughs> Charlie, I feel like somewhere out there, there is a kind of ex-player from about 1982 who owns the copyright, the intellectual property for that stance of a footballer on a track. Yes, I, I love those. I keep thre- I, When we've moved house, I've, all, I've obviously always kept them. And I keep threatening to my wife to be like, oh, can I get these out? Can I, you know, maybe put them on a mantelpiece? Yeah. Clattering around. <laughs> Can you imagine? Really heavy. How, Just... how good that would look in someone's like front room. <laughs> Just like a few football trophies for like the least glamorous sounding cups as well. I'm proud of the democratic process that goes into player's player because it's you never get a surprise winner because there is always a standout bloody brilliant player, isn't it? Which will lead us on to um, the number 10 and strikers. Mm. I mean, they... You Absolutely. Know, that's... Listener RJ comes straight in here and says you've got to have a big man and little man combination, which I suppose is quite hard to resist. I mean, assuming you have the options at your disposal, Dave. But the one half of that equation, which I feel like any self-respecting Sunday league team can't do without, is the big man. I don't think we should ever underestimate the benefits of having that big man up front who doesn't really score goals, but will hold the ball up. Because having the ball as far away from your goal as possible 
as simple as that sounds, is really nice in Sunday League. You basically need someone to get on the end of balls that weren't intended for them, yes. pretty much. You know, yes. Long, aimless yes. clearances that might end up their way or get on the end of balls that defenders have missed when they should have easily headed it away. And that person is invaluable, and regardless of whether they can actually score any goals, to be honest. Charlie, you, what you want your strike partnership not to do is, is never move too far away from each other. That's like the cardinal sin of playing up front. You're too far apart! <laughs> You're too far apart, aren't you, eh? We, um, that, is, that is the cardinal sin. We used to have... We haven't actually had like a big guy for a while, but we did have for a while, and he was called Dave Power, which was just, I thought, the most perfect name for like... Dave Power, Dave Power for your like I mean it was like a Roy of the Rovers style like oh they've got this big big lad in but Dave Power was perfect for that role he was sort of like the Andy Carroll of the Marshes but um, mm-hmm. yeah we haven't had that for a while <laughs> um, you know but I think it is it's it's extremely useful as Dave says in turning hopeful punts of which there are plenty into, into something that looks a bit better but of course you, you do need that reliable supply of goals Dave um, which leads me on to an inevitable character. Have you heard of Gary Goals? Only when you've talked about him before. <laughs> but I'm still not sure <laughs> who he is necessarily. Gary Goals was a mysterious figure who emerged in around 2014. Uh, became a viral hit. He's so he was East a real London. man. I just thought he was an idea. I thought he was more of a concept. No, no, well, sort of. So he fly posted his services all over East London um, and you could sort of tear his mobile phone number off the bottom of the sheet. And um, his, his advert um, contained the charming promise of I do all types of goals. And uh, the micro boast that he had once played against Wayne Rooney's cousin. So that was his sales pitch. And uh, his, he didn't have a picture. It was just a silhouette of a footballer from clip art. And um, well, I think we should, we should play his voicemail Shouldn't we just to get a flavour of this guy? Greetings and salutations. You've reached the voicemail of Gary Goals. I'm not able to take your call right now because I've been playing a match out with a lady or hitting the gym hard. I am a top class striker. I'm immediately available for a four aside, six aside, or 12 aside games. I'm based around Hackney, but I'm willing to travel up to and including two miles from Hackney. If you would like me to play in your game, leave your name, where said match will be taking place, the colour of the football clothes that they wear and general quality of all the other people playing in the football game. I am a top-class striker with a proven track record of scoring goals and winning games for teams all over Ireland, all over Europe, especially Ireland. A couple of things I won't do, go in the back, uh, go on goals or do rolls. Oh, he is, the, he is the creation of a guy called Carl Toomey, who, um, who says he has a lot of fun with Gary Goals. He got, um, Gary Goals featured in um, The Mirror, Fox Soccer, MB Sports and The Daily Mail. And uh, his poster appeared all over East London. And uh, his, his voicemail attracted over a thousand text messages, 200 voicemails and 100 emails, all offering Gary a spot on their team. The, the hashtag Gary Goals lives on sort of six, seven years down the line. But, but I mean, as cartoonish as all that is, I think Gary Goals has got the right idea. I, I quite like the idea of just constantly making your debut because, Dave, making your debut in Sunday League is a, is a great feeling. People don't know how good you are and... Six or seven times out of ten, you're going to pleasantly surprise them, right? That's it. Yeah, the the the, the upside potential is huge because most people are cynically thinking, why isn't this bloke got a team? Who is he? Whose mate is he? Why is he here? Not sure about this bloke. He can go at left wing. And then, you know, all you can do is impress. But he sounds like you're tempted to potentially resurrect the, the spectre of Gary Goals yourself maybe there's kind of there's space for a utility man version of Gary Goals 
but my hunting ground Tommy, would be... Tommy Tackles. Yeah, Tommy Tackles. That's nice. So, yeah, my my remit being Zone 4 Southwest London only. I might not even do it for a thing. I think it might. this might be my career. But I basically have no mates who live nearby to play football. Um, the other day I had to I had to DM a follower of mine on Twitter to see if I could join his power, uh, his power league team around the corner. And luckily he said, yes, I can. So I'm in pre-season for that now. Um, but I quite like the idea of getting back fit post-lockdown and giving it one more go and just constantly making my debut. Because, I mean, Charlie, as I said, it's not just about it's not just about surprising people. I feel like you do raise your game when you're playing football with strangers. I feel like you've got all sort of 30-odd exper- years of experience of your football kind of participation all comes together in that moment. You think, right, this is it. Everything I've learned is going to come down to this moment where I show people who I've never met before how good I am at football. I should say as well, like for me, because I've played for the I've only really played for one Sun League team. I'm playing the same team for like a decade or so. But the flip side of that, it is always really exciting when we have debutants and they might like yeah. you know they they might look really good and you're like oh can we sign this up and then you're worried like oh are they going to think that that we're not quite good enough for them and the sort of charm offensive comes along you know straight off the game oh you can come again mate like you um you live nearby or like you know and you know always lifts going from hybrid islington if you if you are coming from uh from south london on the victoria line so it's uh i mean i think you're you're more in demand than you might think the dilemma of of worrying that that debutant is going to be too good for you is surely vastly more preferable than um, them being just being really shit and not knowing what to say to them afterwards oh i mean that or even just average. Like, what do you do? Yeah. I've, never ha- I've never had to do the recruitment, so I don't really care. That is hard. And we've talked about it before. Like, it, recruitment is its so difficult to get because trying to gauge how good someone is over message or whatever is very difficult. Yeah, and no people, people talk themselves up, um, which to me would always make me quite suspicious. But, you know, you the only way really to find out is to play but that is fraught with danger because the idea that you put someone on who's just totally out of their depth especially now like in my league we do rolling subs now so that makes it a bit easier but back in the day what do you do if you, you know you start somewhere like oh god this is this is bad the only way to haul someone off early in those circumstances is basically to say um you're right to come off you're right to come off half time thanks very much yeah really appreciate it yeah 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 thanks very much you're right to come off yeah you have to do it really really carefully what if um, they're like no not really i'm i'm sort of rather just playing <laughs> no i've proved mm, myself yet nah i think you are you're you're right <laughs> throwing their shirt at you some of the guys on my team who who met at university and have been friends for you know be- they are best friends and they've they've almost come to blows at times in terms of because there has to be a manager and there has to be like you know this sort of you, you pick a starting 11, make some subs. And mm. sometimes mm. people just lose it. Like, oh, I yeah. can't believe I'm not starting again. I come, don't get out of bed on a Sunday morning to sit on the bench every fucking week. It's true. It's, it's a real waste of time. Um, you're, you're getting half the game at the very, very most. It's um, that's That must be genuinely annoying when you've probably spent four hours just getting there and back, like I tend to have done. I, I suspect there's a kind of couple of characteristics that if they put that in the email as a matter-of-fact thing, are going to work in their favour. Anyone who says in their sort of recruitment email that they they're good at long throws straight in straight in because there's no they could be the worst football on the planet but they will still have a material effect on the outcome of that football game and therefore they're in also also that let's be clear if you're really good at long throws you cannot be a shit footballer how could you possibly be a shit footballer if you've practiced long throws that much that would also be a hard thing to lie about i think you know if you you know that you'd be exposed to that pretty quickly it's more when they give credential you know like oh i used to play for this team's under 14s or whatever it is and i'm always been like mm, yeah that's too much yeah that's too much. you need to be able to you need to be able to kind of 
describe yourself in a neutral way but still get across i mean as i'm sure we've established in this podcast already you can give a decent summary of yourself without actually having to big yourself up you can basically describe yourself in very neutral terms and people know will know exactly what you mean um well I, well i hope we've approximated that in this podcast because dave sunday league is it's reenactment it's premier league cosplay it's the living out of your football dreams so my final question to you is when you're going to bed on a saturday night as you as you will do this weekend before your return to, to grassroots action and, and very early the next morning, what precise in-game situation are you visualising? Because that's, that's all I can think about for the 12 hours before a game is a very specific situation in a game. What are you picturing? It is always, without fail, picturing me being at centre-back, staring into the sky <laughs> at the ball that has just been kicked from the keeper's hands and it's coming right down my throat. And I've probably Ouch. not put my name on it by this point. And I'm doing oh, the right. thing that I always do. And that is not moving my legs to get in position to read the flight of the ball, just staring at it and then thinking, oh, <laughs> fuck, it's gone over my head again. Oh, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a successful moment. So you're picturing yourself struggling. Well, I'm just, pic- no, I'm picturing myself in that moment being right. worried about, uh, you know, I'm scared that I'm not going to head it. And therefore it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And more often than not, I don't <laughs> oh, head it. God. <laughs> Okay, okay, that was um, that was a more peer into your soul than I expected, Charlie. Um, what is it you're kind of going through in your head before you play? Yeah, I'm really sad that this Sunday I I can't play. I have to wait until the following Sunday. But yeah, that that Saturday night, I I like I like to think about a situation in which I thought one on one earlier, but it's not quite one on one. But it's more the kind of the ball. I'm making a late run into the box, and the ball comes out, and it's there for me to to hit. Um, you know, and in my dreams, I'm kind of like clinically stroking it back across the keeper wrong footing him into the corner and you know my momentum takes me into my celebration the reality I'm probably scuffing it but may, you know might might still go in or you know just the what, what I'll often do is if I'm running or something I'll then I'll be kind of visualizing you know because the endorphins are going and you're thinking yeah you know the ball's dropping towards me uh That's you know, good. you're watching it you're watching it as the montage after the game and but with with oh, the wow. with the commentary coming in you know like echo share it's two and me sort of running <laughs> the up. credits roll underneath the yeah. production that's good positive oh, yeah. visualization yeah. that's what i need to do a bit yeah, more no, of it's very good science behind it absolutely well welcome back to grassroots football enjoy all of your sundays both you dave and you charlie i'll be back I'll be back, I promise. It's only a stone and a I'm half I'm going to make away. you play for Ribblesdale Rovers this season. One game. I will. I will play for Ribblesdale Rovers this season. Perhaps the 21-22 season, let's, let's put it that way. Enjoy your Sundays, even with your annoying sloping pitches and limp goal nets. Um, I hope you've enjoyed our Sunday League 11 in its weird and wonderful way. And we'll see you next week. The Athletic.